0: Hello and welcome to Chris and Jake's new sales spec podcast where we'll be discussing everything new business, sales, business development in the marketing space and sectors alike. Um, this is the first of a new series, um, 10 to 15 minute short episodes where Chris and I put our brains together and discuss what's been happening in the sales and new business world. So Chris, welcome to the first episode. How are you Thank feeling? you very much.
1: Welcome to you too. Looking forward to it. So yeah, a new idea for both of us, probably first time we've done something like this. So yeah, I'm excited to learn, learn about you know, your side of the fence and you know, we're both in digital content and
0: data respectively. So let's see how we go. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I think the first thing to touch on, can't go without talking about it, is obviously the impact the last 12 months has had on sales people and the sales processes and where clients are nowadays uh, and how they like to be spoken to, obviously, lots of people working from home nowadays um i think 12 24 months ago people were contactable on linkedin linkedin because they had time at work and maybe killing a bit of time at work so you could maybe capture them on there and that's obviously changed with people working from home Um, obviously cold calling to offices has completely changed as well how have you seen the last 12 months um from uh reaching out and speaking to clients perspective how are they interacting with you differently now than it was maybe 12 months ago
1: yeah, I, th- I think the LinkedIn Playground piece is probably the most important part to touch on, which you just said. Um, you know, it, 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 when people think of sales historically and they don't work in, in that very specific vertical, they think of people cold calling um, and being a very annoying and trying to sell a generic product. Obviously, what we work in is very specialised. It's tailored to client requirements. Um, it's very bespoke to businesses. And ultimately, they come first. You know, we we, we fit around them um, and tailored to that. So I think in terms of LinkedIn at the start of the pandemic, you know, which is obviously the hot topic, um, clients were on LinkedIn more because they're at home and they're readily available. They want to see what's going on. They want to be comparing notes and looking, you know, not at other people, but what are other brands doing, and what innovations are they putting in place and how are they driving their business forward? Probably looking to see what not to do as much as what to do, um, because it was so much fun and unknown. I think when this first happened, we saw a lot of success with reaching out directly on LinkedIn um, and, you know, organizing new meetings with new logos and having some exciting conversations. But obviously things started to settle down a bit and the lockdowns, you know, heightened. It became very much, you know, damage limitation mode for a lot of brands uh, that didn't have, you know, econ presence or weren't, you know, in, in key sectors. So that then sort of put the brakes on a lot of stuff and we saw massive budget freezes, you know, in different verticals. So, you know, as we sort of came out of the other side of the lockdown, things started to ramp back up again, and people were firing up the engines. They, they you know, some brands had done some planning towards this. Some had just tried to, you know, they had a lot of people on furlough. You know, they, were, they were really streamlined. So it's probably what it there's probably two camps there. Now, where we are now is brands have probably stabilised a little bit. So now is where we starting to have some really good conversations on how you know the next sort of six months look like. We probably don't know what it's going to look like outside in terms of the climate and the restrictions, but I think brands are in a much better place, when sort of conversations are now starting to ramp back up again, which is obviously a real positive. And it, it would
0: be good to sort of hear your take on that as well. Yeah, hundred um... percent. I think 12, 18 months ago, much like yourself, using LinkedIn as a platform, firstly, to build a sort of, I don't like the word personal brand, but just starting to build value and relationships on LinkedIn, you know, putting out new content. Um, I was doing 30, 60-second small talking head videos as well, just trying to um, connect with people on that level within the feed. And then secondly, you've got the um, direct outreach, which what you've just touched on there, which is trying to spark a conversation with a client that we've or a prospect that we've identified that we have some synergy together um so obviously coupling both together when you're putting the repeated content out there and then obviously following up with some direct messages trying to create that conversation not so much as selling but just um trying to make a connection trying to introduce each other to you know hopefully provide value to them obviously when we went into the first lockdown that whole game seemed to change within like two weeks. It was, it was crazy because people were being furloughed, which then meant they weren't on LinkedIn. And even if they were receiving the messages and replying saying, hi, I'm on furlough contact this person. So you're almost like chasing your tail. Then people obviously furloughed for a, a long period of time, obviously in specific industries that got hit the hardest, um, restaurants, you know, entertainment, that sort of thing. So, obviously people not responding to begin with like you've said there over the last sort of three months brands have adapted so they kind of have the attitude now where business has to move forward so whereas before it was like no one knows what's going on obviously everybody's health and, and things like that were a much bigger concern now it's still a big concern but brands are like well we need to be pushing forward we need to see pushing the content out there from your perspective they need to be um, you know cleaning up CRMs and data and reaching out to brands and things like that so the conversations now uh, are, are slightly different where I feel like if you're not providing them value and reaching out to them on LinkedIn you can forget about it whereas before it was kind of a, and almost like a, a numbers game building a relationship and building as many as you can whereas now you have to be a lot more targeted think about your outreach message um, think about what you're going to offer them um, you know in terms of uh, some ideas and implementations to spark that initial conversation, because obviously people have got less time now. There's less people in teams of others that have been furloughed, and, and marketing people obviously have been let go, unfortunately, in certain industries. So, yeah, it, it was it was weird how fast that changed on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, reach out. I think
1: it, it it was absolutely rapid, and I think that 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 ultimately shows the importance of you know when you think about a classic sales funnel, B shape you're always on presence and having your brand out there is incredibly important for, you know, I guess we could never prepare for what we were going to go through, but so that you're not necessarily going in cold, you know, you have a warm, you know, warmer conversations, I guess, because people know who you are. Um, a lot of the work we've, you know, we've been doing XM is involved with, you know, we work very specific in certain sectors. Um, and we want to be very relatable, to the people that we, you know, we reach out to, to potentially form a new partnership with us. Um, and that revolves a lot around case studies, you know, it, it, it's incredibly basic, but for anybody that's listening that doesn't work in sales, you know, it's about telling relatable stories um, and telling people what they want to hear in terms of like the, the, their specific interests, I think that's incredibly important. And I know that you'd obviously be doing something the same as that.
0: Yeah yeah hundred percent um storytelling marketing is such undervalued i think because obviously when you think of sales people like you said at the start there do just think of the cold call on a script rattling through trying to persuade people trying to get people to set up meetings whereas now yeah it's very much uh, the story about who's behind the brand the story about how the product come about story about how you can help brands move them forward uh, to achieve obviously their objectives and things like that so that's where the uh, the uh, content side comes down to it on linkedin if you're creating that content consistently like writing blog posts writing articles doing podcasts like this where you're perhaps maybe giving a little bit of value to somebody that doesn't yeah. particularly understand what you do then obviously you're creating that connection and then where you do spark that conversation it's a much warmer conversation and going yeah. over to that funnel that you've mentioned there it, a lot of brands like particularly xcm and harrison wild will have our um processes in place where we'll pitch um we'll follow up so we have all of that but it's obviously feeding that top of funnel and obviously that can't stop when the pandemic kicked in it just felt like for a couple of months there it was difficult to keep feeding people into that funnel because obviously what the world just changed so so quickly but yeah it's been but what i would just touch on obviously the doom and gloom of the pandemic hasn't happened for all brands uh, particularly in the technology space you've seen a lot of like zoom for example you know these technology brands, they're almost been accelerated, whereas restaurants have been absolutely decimated. Technology brands have just accelerated, they're hiring more people, they're expanding their content function, they're bringing people in-house, they're working with agencies and stories and things like that. So for us, we'd already worked with um, technology brands in the past, so we sort of just forgot about all other outreach and just doubled down on the industries that we knew that were growing and needed to tell those relatable stories through video. Um, and that's, that's how we shaped our focus with the pandemic. And that's still what we're doing now. The conversations we're having are with technology brands, um, people that have digital products that, um, that they are obviously trying to increase signups and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, when you think about some of these agencies that predominantly just worked in the restaurant space, it's just like, wow, I can't, can't imagine how hard they've been, because obviously it's just, that must have just been decimated completely, which is a shame, obviously. Yeah,
1: and no, I agree. I mean, yeah, hospitality has been, yeah, the support packages, etc., will leave that to, to the to the to the right people to discuss that. But I think the interesting one for me is, is retail. Because if you think about retail, you know, you've got companies who have retail estate, um, obviously where you can walk in and then people who have big e-com presence. Yeah, now, I think it's the interesting ones for me to have a little chat about is, is the ones in the middle who have a bit of hybrid, a bit of both. Yeah. And they're almost wanting to convert those customers who are you know, your, your your typical walk-in, you know, they go to your likes of your Blue Water, Lakeside, Trafford Centre, places like that. How do they understand these customers and, you know, where they can market to them yeah. to shift them to the digital business and the econ? Now, everyone, retail brand we've worked with is pretty much experienced, you know, it's stating the obvious, most people with a digital presence of it is, it has been accelerated rapidly. There's that's stating the obvious, it's part of that. Um, but it's how you shift the people who sit in between, yeah. um, to ensure that you know the regular, you know the, the revenues still there. I guess is the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's interesting because our job as as new business people and as business developers, we've always been trying to convince these businesses that haven't been online and using digital effectively to start doing so. And then it, it takes something like a you know a, a pandemic or something like that for them to really sit back and go oh, we should have actually been doing digital for many, many years. So the conversation switched slightly from trying to persuade those brands to start being more digital. to now they're they're accepting that and now seeking the best partners to help them, obviously, through that transformation. It's interesting because we started working with a a technology company that provide um, software for restaurants. So basically, if you um, receive an order through Deliveroo, this software acts as the interface to the kitchen, so it prints it out nicely. And we was on some restaurants, uh, on site and some restaurants doing some videos and speaking to a couple of them where they weren't using social media, they weren't using videos, they were literally just relying on word of mouth, TripAdvisor reviews, that sort of thing. Speaking to them and they've all been desperately trying to get on Deliveroo, Just Eat, Offer Delivery, have their own website, offer their own delivery service and stuff like that. So. Brands in all industries now are just playing catch-up, um, effectively, yeah. that haven't been obviously pushing digital first, and it's obviously just going to accelerate more and more, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And it's like you say, it's brands either either looking at what technology is out there in the, in the market and in their sectors, and how do they use that to play catch-up, as you said, or you know what technology do they have in place that they aren't maximising? Again, that's a really important part, because you think about some of the bigger brands out there, you know, often teams not work in silo, but you have different departments, you know, you know, marketing's split up into different verticals, you know, data, content, often CRM, products, lifecycle, at some of the bigger corporate firms, then it's how do they then get in a room together and come and drive towards a common goal? Because that common goal might be very obvious, but then you have to start getting these people who have different ideas and different processes, different technologies in place start driving towards that and yeah. often that requires a 12 to 24 month roadmap you know we've we've probably both worked on accounts like that um and so it's now like a six to eight week kind of thing because yeah, you know that's that's how that's how accelerated it's been and the acceleration part you know you know to anybody listening me and jake have on that you know that is a very obvious statement um but it's that it's the now how is that maintained so mm. We've now had this big shift, so okay, right. We don't know what's going to happen outside, but how do we retain these customers? And how do we give them the right experiences, service, the right content, right time, right message, all of that? You know, the, the big marketing slogan. Um, but how does that occur? Because there's planning now, and you know, because that's ultimately what the next twelve months is going to be like.
0: Yeah, massive focus on on strategy, as you've touched on there. Like uh, brands are not just seeking. A piece of software or, you know, they're actively looking for a partner to work with. In my experience on, for, for us, content strategy, what's the next 12 months look like in strategy. You had a phone call today, not, you know, about a couple of videos, one about lead generation, but then a wider video and how they both plug into different social media platforms and stuff like that. So yeah, I think you're right because of the, the fast change, this, the strategy and the planning is more important, but you now have to deliver it in such a smaller timescale. And obviously yeah. from our perspective, um, we have to adapt to that and provide that, you know, that level of service that brands are seeking. Move on. I just want to ask you there, um, mm. just touch on for me, if you can, how you're seeing things change from a data perspective, your data marketing yeah. uh, over the last, over the last sort of 12, 24 months to where we are today.
1: Yeah. I, I, think, I think the biggest thing now is around what data do companies have available and how are they learning about their customers? So stereotypically, you know, there's different data, there's online and offline data. You've got sort of web behavior, event based stuff. Um, you've got response data from when you're sending emails, push SMS, all of your channel execution. Then you've got all of the offline, like in store for redemption, things like that. So you've got all of these different pockets of data all around your ecosystem. Now it's about how do you pull that together? Now, that might be simple, you might want to match things on, a, on an ID, but you know, that's just from a process point of view. The powerful bit, which is what we work in, is how to get the most out of that. Now, so you've got your customers, you you can see them, you can give access to people in the business of how they've you know how they've engaged with you, what you know about them, what they've purchased, when, what they've responded to. But what do you do with that now? So it's a roadmap piece. You know, yeah. you have to you have to understand what audiences you're going to talk to and prioritize um, across your life cycle, your product releases. All that kind of stuff. So, the biggest part is it's the, one, the, the phase one is pulling the data together. So, that now is becoming more about, you know, just to summarize, is getting that all together. There's the understanding piece, which has always really been there, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. but it's only been to a certain level. Now, companies are going to a more granular level to understand more, to be more targeted, more specific for better ROI and better engagement metrics. The next part which is really evolved, is the channel execution part and the orchestration piece on the end. So a lot of deployments on the end are specialized. You know, you have like your ESPs or multi-channel deployments, you've got um, social targeting, you've got web targeting, you've got web app push. So it's now around how do we give the customer a, you know, not channelless experience, but an omni-channel experience and showing them, you know. So you don't want to give them a ten percent offer here, but then twenty five here, because it won't make any sense. Yeah, you want to encourage them to use the offer you you decided to give them based on their behaviour and what they want to see. Mm. So that that putting that together is, you know, that that's now in play as well. So you almost got the middle part. The objective never changed, but you've got these two parts on the end that are, you know, yeah, probably now at the forefront of a lot of brands we speak to certainly.
0: Yeah. No, it's interesting because ultimately, consumers nowadays they know what they want, and uh, they want that they want that consistent experience from brands, whether it be through email, whether it be through SMS, a TV ad. They want to see that that consistency. So you're absolutely right. Well, what I'm going to do, Chris, is I'll wrap up this first mini short. I think it was around twenty minutes there. Um, thoroughly enjoyed your company. I think it was great to get your perspective on some how, how things are changing in your industry, and, and obviously touch on how. A little bit of scratching the surface about how Sours is starting to evolve after the last 12 months. Um, and we will pick up the second episode next week. Um, yep. So thank you very much for your time.
1: No, thank you. It's really good. And thank you to anybody that listened and uh, supported our first
0: little mini podcast. Absolutely. Okay, mate. Thank you very All much. Right. Take care, bye bye. Bye bye.